Welcome to the EchoCast. I am Bon, and I am here to chat with you about games, gaming, news, gaming, speculation, and much more probably to do with games. But this week, we'll be talking about EA doubling down on single-player games, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 rumors, Tencent buying more Ubisoft, and much more. A few things before we get into the show. I am proud to say and to ask you to please consider becoming a Patreon supporter to get podcasts and videos early, as well as other perks like merch, shoutouts, and more by clicking on the link in the description below. See if there's a tier that works for you. Any support's great. What I'm using the money towards now is going to be upgrading the camera setup a little bit so I can do like full screen camera and it not look terrible. Uh, if you're watching the video version of this podcast, I, I make it small because that's all my camera can do that looks okay. And I have to do this mug, all of the help it can get. So that in the big stretch goal, is to raise enough money to go to E3 next year and do live coverage of it there. Interviewing people, posting pictures, doing live streams, stuff like that. That's the goal. I would love to do it. So check out the Patreon. It's uh, it's one of the very good ways to help support. Other ways you can do it is to subscribe to the show on your platform of choice for podcast. And if you're on Spotify or iTunes, please rate the podcast on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel, like this video, and comment down below, even if it's just to help the algorithm. Last, please join the show's Discord by clicking on the link in the description of the podcast or the video to talk about this episode, to ask questions for next week, and all kinds of other stuff. So get in there. Two-minute intro. Not too bad compared to some other podcasts. I'm not going to call any out. I'm not going to say who. But, you know, there's been other podcasts that have been gone, have been known to go like 30 minutes. So let's get into it. The first story this week, EA doubles down on single player games. Um, so years ago, the head of EA came out and basically said that single player games are a waste of their time. They don't make any money and they moved on. That's why we saw games like Mass Effect Andromeda and Anthem and even Dragon Age Inquisition, kind of, even though it was pretty heralded, it still included things that were going on this idea that EA did not believe that straight-up single-player games were worth it anymore to them. And so they tried to incorporate live service, and they tried to incorporate multiplayer and co-op and all this stuff into titles that had traditionally been single-player. Mass Effect Andromeda being a good example, where it had multiplayer it had, um, it did not have co-op, I don't believe, but the, the thing about it was that they, I think wanted to do like a live service thing with it. Obviously that didn't work. Ironically, they ended development on Andromeda to work on Anthem, which I think is pretty easy to argue was a way worse situation than Andromeda even, but you saw hints of that back in Mass Effect 3 when they added the multiplayer mode which was heralded. People still love that multiplayer mode. So it seemed like they had an okay idea back then on how to, it had loot boxes and stuff like that. And they just took it too far, right? So uh, you know, more recently, 
uh, EA has still had some uh, flubs, uh, like a recent tweet that went out that said uh, something about, you know, she's a 10, but she only likes to play single player games. You know, they tried to get on that meme a week and a half late um, and whatever social media agency they contract to run their to do their memes something tells me that they aren't working with that company anymore um because it rubbed people the wrong way because ea has games like um jedi fallen order uh you know that are very 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 heralded there's upcoming games like the dead space remake jedi survivor the sequel to fallen order dragon age dreadwolf um, apparently a single player apex game and the next mass effect. So they're investing money in the single player. Again, they seem to realize that they can have a balanced portfolio, right? Obviously apex FIFA Madden, you know, those games are going to be very important to them and they can still focus on single player games, even if they aren't their main money makers, right? Like even in some of this information that came out in this last week, they still pointed out that 70% of their income comes from these live service online multiplayer co-op games, right? I do think it's worth at least considering that once the Fallen Order sequel comes out, once Dragon Age comes out, once the sequel to Fallen Order comes out, once an Apex single player game comes out, which is only rumored, once the next Mass Effect comes out, once they have, you know, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten really good single player games, will it still be 70% of revenue from the multiplayer games? Or will it get closer to 50 50? Because I think it's kind of a convenient stat for them to throw out there, like, well, you know, 70% of our income comes from these multiplayer games. So that's why we focus on them. Well, it's like, well, yeah, it's because you focus on them, right? So if you focus on other games, you know, if you focus on single player games, I bet you see that revenue share uh, mix up. Now, the difference is, is that like with Apex, they can have a big boost in money and players every four months, sometimes less, right? With their new seasons. Where with like the next Mass Effect, may take another three years to develop, if not more, right? So, and there's a pretty good chance that, you know, in a year by year comparison, Apex is making more money. But I think it's a point where gamers have to realize that there's a pretty good chance that, you know, these, these publishers are in it to make money, right? And making live service games that are successful, not duds, is the most profitable type of game to make, right? Maybe next to a mobile game that gets popular, right? So th there has to be, I think, a realization at some point that they may essentially make single player games just to make fans happy and just for the headlines and the reviews uh, and for the PR. Because there's a pretty good chance that most straight up single player games, the goal is to break even. It will be an accomplishment if they make money, right? Well, with live service games, the, the, the point is to make money. Obviously, the devs are trying to make the best game they can make. But at the end of the day, it not only it should be making money, but it's probably lifting the entire publisher or developer or whatever. So 
um, the thing is, is that that's when it comes back to the discussion of like art and stuff like that is that, you know, the single player games may not be the bread and butter from a money making perspective, but it may come down to the publishers, Ubisoft, EA, you know, some of these other ones, all of the first parties for all of the platforms may make single player games to be their headliners, but then pump a ton of money into these live service games to, to keep the lights on. So at the end of the day, if it gets me a new mass effect, I'm good, you know? Uh, but I, I think it's the fact that this phase for EA and probably other companies too, of, okay, well let's try single player games again can go bad. You know, the Fallen Order sequel is probably going to do well. Dragon Age Dreadwolf is probably going to do okay to well, right? And when people like me should hope so, because I would be willing to bet that Mass Effect is probably far enough along now that it's probably coming out in some capacity in three or four years, but nothing's guaranteed, man. Never, ever. So we'll have to wait and see. But I think it's a good thing. I'm excited that they are uh, at least dabbling back in this because especially as I'm getting older and as I'm becoming more of a father and um, I'm finding that, you know, having two or three hours a day to just play Apex or something just isn't here for me. It's it's more of a matter of having like an hour a night or maybe a little more. And I may be looking for good story content more so than having 10 year olds scream awful things at me on VoIP. So we'll have to wait and see. Second story is Call of Duty Modern Warfare 2 rumors. Um, so there's been some leaks coming out. I know that there's like a big conspiracy theory about like, oh, the leaks are on purpose. And, and I think some of them are kind of convenient, right? Uh, but Modern Warfare is always a funny one because a part of their marketing seems to be to go to um, professional athletes all over the league and to let them play the game early um, and to test things out. Um, and in this case, it seems like some players from the Los Angeles Rams uh, got this opportunity and then either don't know or don't give a crap about what an NDA is and just you know spread a bunch of stuff out there. And um, apparently there's also some of this that came out from a an esports tournament they were doing uh, where some of the players had had early access. And the big story that came from it was that um, th there's a pretty good chance that this next game is going to is planning two years of support. Um, that shouldn't be that surprising. I don't think um, it, it's been talked about for a while. And I think even officially announced that the um, the next game that, that, that there won't be a game in 2023. And as far as I know, this will be the first time there isn't an annual release of Call of Duty since I was like in high school or maybe college a long time. Look at my face. Look at this gray beard. Look at the lack of hair. You know, I, it's been a while since that happened. I had a full head of hair the last time they didn't release a Call of Duty. Let's say that. And um, this is interesting uh, for me because I really like Call of Duty Modern Warfare, the the 2019 game. I really liked it. Love the single player. I like the multiplayer a lot. I liked uh, the uh, Warzone when it released, when it had all the Modern Warfare stuff in it. 
And then it turned into all this World War II crap and it's just awful. I hate all the throwback weapons. It's just, I hate the way it feels and looks and like unicorn skins and stuff. I, I bounced out of Warzone pretty quick, but I really enjoyed my time with those games. And I'm, and then, then they had, you know, the other games come out with another Black Ops and then um, Vanguard, and I just had no interest at all. And, um, you know, I, I'm really hoping this is legit. I'm really hoping that we are looking at two years of content from this next game because I'm probably going to love it. Modern Warfare, I'm in. I'm, I'm willing to play, I'm willing to check it out. We're going to see Ghost again. We're going to see a bunch of cool stuff. And um, I think this is a good move for them. And it's definitely going to get me back in, at least for a while. We'll have to wait and see for how long, though. One thing that I am very interested in is a speculated slash rumored slash leaked mode called the DMZ. There's even been some screenshots shown of like a menu screen and stuff like that with it. And it's supposedly a Escape from Tarkov style mode that will be in Call of Duty. So we already know that like Battlefield tried to do this. I don't even remember what that, that mode was called. It was so half-assed. It was just such a mess, like much of 2042. It's such a good game and it just doesn't have content. It sucks. It's such a good, I really like that game, but I just can't stick with it. What's interesting about whenever this happens, every time I see games journalist talking about like, oh yeah, I've heard this is a lot like Tarkov. There are always people who have never played Tarkov. Um, I even remember that extraction mode in 2042, them being like, oh, it's like Tarkov. And it wasn't, it wasn't anything like Tarkov. <laughs> Uh, nothing because there isn't really anything like Tarkov. I've, I've played a lot of Tarkov. Um, I should know, right? It's the, the problem is, is that the thing about Tarkov is it is it's like uniqueness um, because as janky as it is, as suspect as I think the developers are as toxic and disgusting as a community is as like way too close to the devs as most of the big creators are to a point where it's like a problem. Like they're way too, too friendly, right? It's still fun to go play. And it's, it, it's the best game I hate. It's the, it's my favorite game to play that I despise because it makes me nervous uh, I, I'm okay at it. I know, like, I, I understand Tarkov. I'm just not very good at it. Um, and I just don't, I think that there is a, a fairly small window where a giant AAA game like, like Call of Duty can capture parts, the parts of Tarkov that people like and try to ferment that in a less intense, and more approachable package that could be insanely popular, but it's going to be hard to do. And, and, and I don't think I'm going to believe a single, uh, I won't believe most journalists. I see comparing them because, you know, love Jeff Grubb. One of my, probably my favorite personality in games. Uh, but every time he says he's done this a few times where he's compared, compared games to Tarkov, I don't think Grubb has played Tarkov uh, and he should. The problem with Tarkov is that you can't get a really good opinion on it. I think unless you play like 30 or 40 hours. And if you're trying to really get into it quickly to try to understand it, you need like a Sherpa, like you need someone 
to take your hand for a couple weeks and play a couple hours a day and really get into it and have them show you like, this is how the game works. And then, you know, then I'd be more interested in hearing someone compare it. But I think that there's just an idea that Tarkov is just like a looter shooter that you extract from. Uh, Cause I always see people compare like Tarkov and hunt showdown. They are monumentally different games. So like, I, I get why they're compared, but they really shouldn't be. So uh, yeah, we'll, we'll have to see where that, where that goes. Um, but I'm excited about the new Call of Duty. Um, I like Call of Duty games. I always think their stories are pretty fun. Um, I especially enjoy the Modern Warfare ones. Um, you know, I get that it's fashionable and cool to hate this series now. I think it's great. I thought the last uh, the, the last Modern Warfare was awesome, and I can't wait to play this one too. Uh, another story here is a slight update on the Xbox acquisition of Activision uh, Blizzard. Uh, so this is obviously a big proceeding. It does seem like things are moving along um but this week some information got released or leaked or i can't remember exactly how it came out <laughs> but they um there were some statements that uh, basically the board or the regulators deciding whether or not this deal can go through um i think in brazil or something got input from other platforms, including like Sony and Nintendo and so on. And the big headline one was uh, a statement from Sony that was basically saying like, well, you know, if, if Xbox acquires Activision, uh, you know, a franchise, like I think it was call of duty, uh, will, you know, lead people to likely buy Xboxes instead of playstations, uh, or, or something to that uh, effect. It was really funny because, um, and even, you know, the, the, this, uh, you know, the, the, the person who kind of brought this, um, question up for me to talk about, um, kind of mentioned how, uh, you know, it was kind of hypocritical of Sony to say that I, I don't see it that way. I, I think that in this process, they were asking, you know, they're, they're doing their due diligence, right? And what's Sony going to say if a regulator comes to them and says, like, what do you think that deal will do? Well, they're not going to be like, we don't think it will do any. They're, they're going to say what they think it's going to do. Right. And and what that's going to do in the whole purpose of the purchase is to, you know, make people want to buy Xboxes and get Game Pass and stuff like that. And I think that's just what Sony's saying. Um you know, like they are going out and they're doing acquisitions of Bungie and, uh, you know, many of their studios were acquired after they partnered with them, uh, more organically. Um, I believe like naughty dog and things like that. And that's just the way it is. That's the whole point. So I, I didn't see the sensationalism that a lot of people did. Um, I understand it. I understand how the visceral reaction to Sony saying that is like, well, you, you guys are doing it too, or you guys have done it too. I just think that they're just being honest. I think they were just saying like, well, we think that's, what's going to happen. That's why they're going out and they're probably going to acquire like square Enix and things like that. So they can just completely lock up the final fantasy brand to themselves. So, um, I suspect if that sale happens, we would somewhere find statements from Xbox saying the same thing about that situation. So I, I saw, I see no harm, no foul in it. Um, I, I don't, I don't see any big issues with it, but I, uh, I, I understand why it was such a, uh, a hot topic. Um, Gamescom is coming up here in a couple weeks. Um, Jeff Keighley's starting to do his big 
PR media blitz for opening night live, which is the big thing he produces as kind of, it's like big show for gamescom. And then gamescom is just this wild, like uh, community focused, uh, show, um, which a lot of people allowed quite a bit. It's a, uh, and I believe it's the same people who do packs and who are going to do EA or, or E3. So, um, there haven't been any big leaks that I've been able to come upon. I've been looking at it. Um, it's expected that Xbox, Ubisoft, Sega, 2K, Warner Brothers, and Bandai Namco, as well as a bunch of others, are going to be there to reveal things. Um, I haven't seen any real indication yet that there's going to be like a big blowout, uh, any real huge expectations for stuff. Um, I believe last year there weren't like any huge announcements. There was more just like more information about things we already knew. Um, the, the Ubisoft specifically, I'm not expecting anything because I believe a couple weeks later they are doing an Ubisoft forward. Uh, so, you know, why would they spoil, you know? So uh, I suspect it's going to be a lot of updates at Gamescom. But if there's any big reveals or anything like that, we'll chat about it. I will probably live stream opening night live, but we'll just have to see timing and and you know my, my actual job and my responsibilities and so on and so forth um but if i'm able i will live stream that and we'll talk about it so uh no huge news from gamescom yet but i suspect we'll have some cool stuff soon uh, a story that may turn into quite a large deal is tencent um trying to take more control of ubisoft shares um so a few years ago multiple years ago um uh, let's see, what were they called? Uh, so it's Tencent, Ubisoft, and of course, I'm not going to remember it as soon as I need to know. A, I believe, French uh, big multinational uh, corporate group was trying to buy um, Ubisoft years ago uh, through like a hostile takeover. And long story short, uh, the Guillermo family who owns Ubisoft, which it is still a family owned publisher, which is I, probably the only one that's even close to that size that's that way anymore. Um, we're able to get funding to fight off the hostile takeover. A part of that funding, I believe about 5% um, or, or well, so after uh, the purchase from the, the big multinational failed, um, Tencent then invested and bought 5% of Ubisoft shares. And a lot of the people were kind of squinting at that, like, like that, that, that doesn't seem like a good thing. Um, that's kind of Tencent's thing though. Uh, they've made very few moves to like take over entire publishers and stuff. Um, they've more been putting like a little bit of money into a bunch of places. They obviously have their own business and their own devs and they are a publisher and, and they do that, but they don't seem as interested in doing that. Uh, as they do just getting their foot in a lot of places. Now, uh, it does seem like, or it does sound like there's some discussions going on about them taking over uh, a larger percent. I think it was up to like 15 or 20, um, which would still not put them in like control of the company. Um, but it would definitely start to maybe lean towards that direction. There's been a lot of rumors that the Guillermo family are looking to get out of the business. I mean, Eves isn't young. He's in, at least in his sixties, if he's not in his seventies and, um, you know, he's not going to do it forever. And it's, and I believe his son and brother who were the most involved with the company more recently are not anymore, or at least not very much. Um, so it seems like it might be a retirement party for old Yves uh, sooner than later. And we'll have to kind of see what happens with that in the long run. 
I've seen, you know, some people are doing videos and stuff all of a sudden deciding to be commentators on this kind of stuff. I don't think it's that big of a deal. I find it kind of hard to believe that Ubisoft situation could be made worse. Um, they have no big games coming. There's, I like Ubisoft generally. I especially like a few of their studios a lot. I have no hype for anything Ubisoft related. I have some like mild hype for division stuff. Um, you know, the most recent season they did for the division two was really cool. The story was, I think it's going to be really cool moving forward, but I'm not expecting any gameplay stuff to be like blowing my mind to be bringing me back for hundreds of hours more gameplay. It's going to be smaller than that. Um, you know, there's a division heartland, a free to play game that may come out. I don't, I don't think that game's ever going to come out. I hope I'm proven wrong. Um, as well as like a, the, with the mobile game they've announced and some other stuff. I'm, I, I'd be curious about the next Ghost Recon. I think the last two sucked, but they're fine. There's the Splinter Cell remake. There's the Prince of Persia remake coming. Um, you know, there, but there's just, there's nothing really to hang your hat on with Ubisoft right now. Like I know Siege is still killing it. I know Assassin's Creed sells a ton of copies, but I haven't been excited for either of those games in five, 10 years. So um i don't know ubisoft's in a weird spot i don't think this specific situation is gonna be that big of a deal um if tencent buys another 5 10 15 of shares uh but i think it may be an indication in the long run because i believe and here's why it kind of matters the shares they're they're offering to buy they're offering to buy them at more than twice the current share price so I think it's like $44 a share for Ubisoft right now. Uh, these shares are I, rumored to be uh, the offer from Tencent is to buy them for $100 a share. It's a pretty big deal. That's a lot of money. So we'll have to see how that plays out. I, I know that Tencent's kind of the big boogeyman. You have to realize that most of the companies associating with them are doing that so they can get their games into the Chinese market because Tencent every company in china is at the end of the day owned by the, the government and you have to play nice uh, you have to play the game if you want your products there because they are very strict about what you can and can't have in that country and you have to have an in you have to partner with someone that is based there and that's what tencent is for a lot of companies and i don't think that's going to change anytime soon um and you know if they ever do go complete takeover and like actually own the company We'll have to see what happens. I just, because of the lack of hype and excitement around Ubisoft for now and for quite a while, um, in a large way, I, I don't, I don't really know how things could be worse for them. I, I I'm sure they could be, but we'll have to wait and see. Uh, speaking of Ubisoft, there was an interesting development that isn't really that big of a story, but, um, David Polfelt, who, um, the best way to explain it is he used to run Ubisoft Massive, um, who made Division 1 and 2, who is making a Star Wars game, who is making an Avatar game, as well as other stuff. Uh, so Massive used to be its own developer, started up by another man. David Polfelt ended up working there at a pretty high position, I believe second in command. Um, and then Ubisoft came to acquire them. They did acquire them, even though the people at Ubisoft who typically make that decision were on vacation when it happened and didn't want Massive, uh, which is hilarious to me because the way that Massive's games have been treated 
over the last so many years makes them makes that makes complete sense that there's a bunch of people high up in the company who don't even wish they didn't even have them right and uh, but anyways and so after that takeover um, massive essentially got dissolved and then rebuilt but still called the same thing and the guy who originally started the company took his paycheck and bounced and david polfelt became the head of ubisoft massive up until uh, i think about a year ago maybe a little bit less uh, and he is now working at Player Unknown Productions, uh, most commonly known as the PUBG people. Uh, but they're also, I believe, making the um, the Callisto Protocol. I believe that's under their umbrella, um, as well as some other games. Um, it's it's interesting. David's an interesting guy. Um, he has a book called The Dream Architects. If you're a fan of games, especially if you're a fan of The Division and Ubisoft games, but even just in general, it's a great book. And why I like it so much is because like the first half of the book is just about his weird journey into video game into the world, um, which I think is probably a pretty familiar story with some of the older gen in video game development. Um, where there weren't like schools and degrees and certifications where you just like you you like worked at an advertising agency and then you ended up making games and uh his book is really interesting and then the second half is more about like the division it doesn't actually talk about the division that much it mostly talked about avatar and how they got that game like how they acquired the right to make it and a bunch of that stuff. It's a really interesting story. The Dream Architects by David Polfelt. Go read it. Um, as for what this means, I'm curious. I mean, he's a guy with a lot of leadership experience, a lot of experience in the industry. Um, they're moving into making games like the Callisto Protocol and stuff like that. So maybe they're just looking for someone who is more on that side of the gaming world and less so like the live service multiplayer battle royale that like PUBG is. So, I, I mean, good for him. I'm happy to see him still in games. Um, it bums me out that he's gone from Massive. Um, the, the guy who took over at Massive, I don't even know his name. Um, it sounds like he's pretty quiet. Um, but I have heard from people who still work there that he's fine. Like, they have no complaints about him. It's just, um, I think David, I've always, I suspect that David and the people who didn't ever want to buy Massive in the first place probably didn't get along real well. And I suspect that in the long run, uh, Massive is probably getting more support now that he's gone uh, because it uh, it seems like there were some feelings amongst the executives in Ubisoft that he was kind of a prima donna um, and that they that he was a bit much uh, or hard to control or whatever, uh, you know. But that's that's mostly speculation and inference from his uh, his own book and some other stuff I've heard. So good for him. I hope he does cool stuff at Player Unknown Productions. Uh, the final story here is talking about the uh, Xbox is testing a family game pass. So in I believe Ireland and Colombia, uh, they are offering testing right now for a I believe it's around twenty five dollars a month uh, game pass that allows up to five people to use it who only need to be in the same country so not not the same household like what netflix is doing um this would be interesting because right now it's well, like 10 or 15 bucks a month and so to get five people on for ten dollars more that'd be a pretty big deal that'd be pretty huge 
Um, and I'm like, I know for me, like I would try to find four friends or four people I know, or at least can trust to pay me every month, um, to, you know, jump in on this and save a few bucks. Um, yeah, it, it, it's, this has been a long time coming. I think, um, I know this is a big issue. Like I've seen Paris Lily, uh, from kind of funny and his own content, um, kind of talk about how, like in his house, I think they have like three Xboxes. He's got a couple kids himself and it's like a pain that like, you know, to either like do like the home console thing or to kind of try to cheat the system a little bit where with this, he could just do it the right way and just have a family pass, have it on all of the systems. And, uh, you know, for his, his couple of kids, they could have their own accounts on it. And then he could find a couple of friends to have them on it too, and make it cheaper for everyone. So, um, I'm really curious to how this goes in the long run. I think this will be another good move for Game Pass. Um, I still think Game Pass is like a year, year and a half away from having a bunch of these like exclusive first party Xbox titles on there that get people hyped. But I, I think that this this time has been a good time for them to iron out the kinks, figure out what works and doesn't with the service so that when those big, you know, AAA first party games start dropping fairly consistently, you know, they will already have the infrastructure in place to handle the load that they'll get from the next Hellblade, from the next Halo, I guess. Uh, the next Years of War will be a big part of that. Things like that. Um, I, I'm I'm excited to see where they go with this, and, and I hope it becomes the thing for everyone. Okay, so we're gonna move off of the news and on to some listener questions. If you have any gaming news stories, specific topics or questions that you would like me to talk about in the next episode, join the discord at the link down in the description or over on my Twitter and ask the questions in the questions or topics room. This week, we have a couple of questions from master prime. Uh, has gaming in general improved in recent times? I, I think it's how you look at it, right? Um, I, I think that gaming, gaming's weird because the earliest days of it was it was kind of gimmicky, and then it got like really good in like the late '80s and '90s. Um, many of the Super Nintendo and Nintendo, like Mario games, still hold up today, like really well. And um, and then what was interesting is that you see like when like the PlayStation came out. And eventually the PlayStation 2, uh, you had like the Dreamcast, Sega CD, things like that, Sega Saturn. Um, and you started moving into 3D graphics. Then games kind of sucked again because developers were having to go from 2D worlds to 3D worlds. And that's hard. That's hard to do. And so um, I, I think it's all just a matter of perspective about what you consider good, uh, of what you consider getting better or not. Um, are games today better than the old Mario games? I don't know. That's subjective, right? Um, but I don't think they're bad. Um, I think that, you know, games climbed and climbed and climbed early in gaming, hitting the like, you know, Super Mario World 3 and stuff like that. And then when they started moving the 3D and higher pixel counts and higher fidelity, I do think they dipped. I think they dropped because they were learning this whole new medium, right? But now I do think we are on like the back end of that 3D of, you know, we've, they've learned all their lessons. They've figured out what works and doesn't. Uh, and, and we're shooting back up. And yeah, I mean, I think games are better than they've ever been in a lot of ways. But it just depends on what you're trying to get from them. You know, it's not as simple as they're good or bad or better or worse. Uh, so so I don't know. I, I would say generally, yes, I think gaming has improved in recent times. 
uh, and, uh, and, and I think that's a good thing. I think, it, I think we're all good for it. The second question for master prime is, are the developers always right? And players always wrong. So that kind of goes, I, I assume this stems from some of the conversations like with what's going on with destiny and other games and stuff like that. Um, you know, with some harassment that's going towards devs and, uh, just general toxicity from gaming communities towards the people who make their games, um, not having a very good understanding all the time. Um, there's a really good, uh, no clip video that got posted recently. Uh, that's a documentary about, um, the company that makes, um, of course, uh, I'm going to forget it right when I need to remember, I don't know, look at the most recent no clip video on YouTube and hyperlight drifter, the people who make that. And, uh, man, <laughs> it is a heart wrenching story. It is very inspiring. It's very cool. I really wish that we knew the people who make our games better, especially in the way that that documentary portrays the people who are making those games. And, you know, just these, just to remember these people are people, right? And they're in their, it's their job. They go and they make the games and then they go home and deal with all their problems, right? Hopefully. And um, so I don't think it's a thing of our developers always right and players always wrong. I think the vast majority of players just don't give any input or do give like reasonable input. I think there's just a really, 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 really loud and very small vocal minority of players that go too far. They're way too entitled. Um, and at the end of the day, if the, if that small number of people still have a, a deep impact on the people making the games, it doesn't matter how few they are. It's still awful. Right. But I, I, I don't think, I think it's, um, it, it's akin to an American, like a, like a, a Western saying of, you know, the customer is always right. Well, it's not supposed to be taken literally. The customer is often wrong, but it's the idea of like, you know, to a point you accommodate your customer because they're the ones paying you money and that's how you stay in business. But then there's always that side part of it of like, but they aren't actually always right. You know, they're often wrong. And so like, like I worked in cell phone sales and, and, and I worked at GameStop at one point and in those jobs, it, the, the, the customers were often wrong, maybe wrong most of the time, but you never, you never settled on that and been like, well, you're wrong. So I'm not going to help you. You accepted that they're wrong, that they don't know what they're talking about, and you still try to figure it out for them. So it's, so I think it's similar for devs in a way of, they know the people who are shouting ideas at them are idiots and they, and those ideas would either not work or they can't use them because that player could, uh, in theory, allege that they stole their idea, things like that. And it's, it's not that the player's always wrong, but it's just that the player doesn't understand the full gravity of the things they're commenting on or that they're upset about or whatever. Um, and most of the devs don't either, you know, like the directors and the, the, the lead producer, like the producers, directors, you know, all that stuff, creative director, obviously they like know the, you know, what's in the, what's in the sausage. Right. Um, but like most of the people that get yelled at don't, especially the community devs. So, um, I think if you compare it to the whole, like the customer's always right thing, uh, where they aren't actually always right, but that's how you kind of treat them. I, I, I think, you know, this is a similar thing of like the developers aren't always right and the players aren't always wrong, but you should probably tend to lean to the developers because they're the ones who actually know what's going on uh, and not the people screaming at them on Twitter. So 
But yeah, if you have any of your own questions, you know, jump down to the Discord and ask for next week. You can also ask in the YouTube comments, and I do make a post on Twitter every week asking for these questions as well. Uh, so lots of content up, updates this uh, week. I will try to get through them fairly quickly. Um, I have an interview with Mark Dara, formerly a Bioware, mostly known for his work on the Dragon Age games, but I believe he also did Jade Empire. Um, so if you have any questions or topics you'd like me to chat with him about, uh, that will be happening this coming Thursday morning. So please get those questions to me in the same ways that I just talked about listener questions. Um, I am currently chatting with uh, Shinobi602, who is a pretty prolific uh, Twitter personality um, and, and breaks lots of news on video games and things like that, uh, but is a gigantic Mass Effect fan. Uh, so we're probably mostly going to talk about that. Uh, we're working out the date for that. It'll probably be in the next couple of weeks. I also have an author of a new Assassin's Creed book. Um, I would also like to probably chat with the um, uh, the guy who is writing the division books right now, as well as some people who work at Massive, and I'm trying to get some people from Bioware and and things like that. So, uh, lots of interviews. They aren't stopping. They just may be a few weeks in between. So, be on the lookout for that. I will be announcing stuff soon. Uh, like I mentioned before, I have restarted the Patreon with the goal of raising money to improve the stream in general uh, and possibly go to the 2023 E3 in exchange for some early access to content as well as some other perks. Uh, if you're interested in supporting the podcast and my other content, uh, please click on the link in the description for the Patreon and check uh, out the tiers and the bonuses if any of them appeal to you. Uh, I have done a light rebrand on most of my content and pages and such. Um, I did a pretty big revamp on Twitch where you can see lots of information down below. I've got affiliate links for tech, uh, for my computer setup and other equipment. Um, basically, I just tried to give you know, everything's there. I think it looks really nice. I like the way it, it kind of looks on mobile and on uh, the computer. Uh, so go check that out. And I haven't been streaming a whole lot lately. Uh, there's just not really any games that are like dragging me into stream. Um, but I do hope to be back on it sooner than later, probably playing some mass effect, which I haven't played in like three months. I need a little break. Uh, and you know, maybe some division, especially when that next season comes out for the division, um, and things like that. So I do plan on being back. Uh, I promise your subs will not be completely wasted. Uh, I also have a new uh, logo, banners, thumbnails for the Echo Cast, so you should notice a little bit of difference whether you're looking at this on a podcast provider or on YouTube. Things should look a little different. Um, the uh, and then last, uh, I have a new YouTube um, video that summarizes all of the information we know today about the next Mass Effect game. So I talk about the things that we know for sure, the things that we can pretty reasonably speculate on, and then just a bunch of things that I want in the next game. I really like the video. I think it's a good video. It's a good watch. Um, so I highly suggest you check out my YouTube and watch that. And that is where I am going to start to wrap this up. Please subscribe to the podcast on your favorite podcast provider. And don't forget to rate the podcast if you're on Spotify iTunes. If you're on YouTube, please subscribe to the channel, like this video, and leave a comment down below, even if it's just to say hi. 
If you, you can find me all over the internet as Bond Diesel, including on Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, and over on Twitch, uh, please check out my EchoCast and Bond Diesel merch at the Streamlabs link. I just updated a bunch of it. There's a bunch of new stuff in there. I lowered prices a bunch because I'm not really looking to make money there. I just think it's cool for people to have stuff from my from my content. So go buy a, a t-shirt or a mug and, uh, you know, drink some coffee with Bond. I don't know. That's all I have. So until next time.